Welcome to the Excellent Exo Chat with Bill and Nora. Our podcast is meant to educate, inform, and discuss the ever-expanding topic of exotechnologies. If you are interested in exoskeletons, robots, or automated systems, you should listen to us. We will be discussing how these technologies impact you through chats with experts and users from around the world. Hey, Nora, how's it going? Hey, Bill, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well today. So what do we got to talk about? I don't know. I think you had the interesting topic for today, right? That you're going to yeah, be surprising I, me with. I think I do. I think we right, should talk about roll. drones. <laughs> drones. Okay. All right. I'm down with that. And not not honeybee drones. We're talking unmanned aerial vehicles. Drones. Oh, boy. So, All right. do you have one? That's the first I question. I don't. So what? here's here's the thing, right? So, you know, a couple things about drones, right? There's so many opportunities here. Um, drones were just about coming into the market uh, as I was exiting the environmental field. Um, and they started becoming really important because uh, consultants would use them for many things. But right. in the environmental field, they would use them for phase one property site assessments, especially in areas that were extremely rural or they had, you know, hundreds of acres that they had to take a look at and, and write right. a phase one environmental site assessment. But also it was, it was a really big Christmas gift a while back. You know, my old, my old, um, manager at the time had, I believe it was his cousin or his, his, uh, niece that worked for a drone manufacturer and it was the newest drone out in the market. And, and she surprised his kids by sending wow. them this brand new, not even on the market drone, right? Nice. thing. And, uh, you know, also I have other family members that have their license and they can, they can do, you know, they can drive, not drive. Um, they can operate the yeah. drones, but, but Bill, I've, I have up until I was at UMass Lowell, I had never seen a drone in person. Really? Right. Really? I've never flown a drone. Wow. And I, I can't even say that I've even seen like footage oh. from drones. Oh wow! Right? So, so so wait a minute. Yeah. Let's let's deal with the first thing first, which is you brought it up. Do you have to have a license to fly a drone? So honestly, that's a great question. So I personally, my assumption would be dependent on the area in which you are using them and the type of technology, whether it's. You know, we're talking like a kid's toy versus, right. you know, an actual industrial application. I would assume maybe it depends on what you're using it for. Yes. But I think for the most part, you do, right? You do need a license to be it's, able it's, to operate it is, a drone. It is uh, dependent a little bit on the size and the application of it, whether you're using it uh, commercially or public safety or it's a, it's a consumer type toy. Uh, right. And, you know, in the United States... You're you're going to be looking to the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, for okay. things around that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, because I would think, depending on your location where you are, you would need to know about no fly zones, right? Um, any other type of restrictions. But you know, if it granted, I'm not going to give my four year old a drone out in the backyard. But you know, as my son gets older, like having a little drone, I'm sure he's going to be interested in that. 
um, you know, doing it out in the backyard, not not going any higher than half the height of our trees out there. I wouldn't think that my my son would need a license to operate. Yeah, and and the FAA has like a whole page on oh, how sure. to become a drone pilot <laughs> and stuff. But it 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 somewhat depends on where you are in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just over in United Arab Emirates. It's very difficult, almost impossible to fly a drone over there because of security regulations and stuff like okay. that. So, you know, probably not even an option for a regular citizen over there. Interesting. Uh, and then other parts of the world, you know, they have restrictions like the U.S. around different airspace. Like, you know, remember a couple of years ago where um, the drones were messing around at Heathrow Airport in the U.K., uh. right? Yeah, no, no good. Yeah, no, no bueno. No bueno, right? <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. And uh, so that's that's the thing. It's like, one, that's a very disruptive and dangerous thing. But the other thing that, that the FAA and others worry about is if a drone fails or stops operating or something and it drops. Right. You know coming out of the sky with right. the force of gravity at 9.8 right. meters per second squared. <laughs> right. And I believe there's there's work on, uh, if it's not already out there, basically uh, tags. So you have your your identifier on your drone. Okay. Uh, for So people know, it's like if, if you're, there's a drone up in the air, how do you know who's flying it? How do you know right. who it belongs to? So mm-hmm. there's programs around a lot of this stuff. I, I'm not really involved with it, but what I see is uh, a lot of applications for it. So definitely in the construction industry, just like with oh, the environmental field for site surveys. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, one of the things that would be interesting, and I don't know if they've gotten um, this far with drones, is how precise can a drone be? So a- as someone who's worked in the environmental field, you probably have seen this many times where before you go almost to any kind of location you have a surveyor come out and survey the place right where where where's the boundaries right right yeah so it kind of depends like we we look at a bunch of different things right like as soon as we have our project you go right to google earth right um you know you go right to google earth you're using the satellite images sometimes you're lucky enough where they actually have pictures um, but you're right. If, if the county or the township or, or the city, whoever you're using, um, you know, wherever you are, if they don't have updated parcel information and you're going off of an old deed, there may be instances where you do absolutely have to get a surveyor out there. That's going to go out and go, Oh, that's the Oak tree that right. they're talking about back in the deed. That's the left corner of the property. Correct. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, the interesting thing, I I know drones are being used in agricultural field. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just saw uh, an ad the other day from one of the major uh, agricultural brands where they have a drone now that can do precision spraying on weeds. Oh, wow. Right. So this saves this saves overspraying of pesticides and insecticides Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and and weed killer. So. That's interesting to me. That tells me, okay, the precision flying of the drones is getting to a level. Can it get to the level of a surveying? You know, can it go yeah. and and spray or whatever, you know, put a, a paint mark on a corner of a lot? Because I can tell you, as I've worked in surveying field a long time ago when I was a kid, 
it takes a lot of time, especially on large land masses, to get to corners and, and map out it those does. locations. And yeah, a lot does. of them are very inaccessible. You know, you're really hacking oh, yeah. your way through the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the times, I mean, you'll even see in the reports that certain sections of the property were inaccessible due to overgrown vegetation right? Um, or due to large bodies of water, whether right. it's a pond or it's a reservoir or whatever you're taking a look at. But yeah, I mean, the precision, uh, the precision of the drones absolutely is, I, I would say, is getting better, right? I mean, this technology is just getting so precise as, as we're moving on. And I think it's, it's incredibly helpful. And it's also going to aid, again, the performance, right? right? The performance of the individual who needs to actually go out and survey this area. Because now not only can they use their own senses, but in areas in which they can't get to, whether they're marking out a property boundary or they're they're looking at a construction site, they can now utilize that drone. It's now a tool right. that they can use and they have in their toolbox um, to be able to use, which is, it's amazing. Right. And so, you know, I think the other place I've seen a lot of drone besides just people doing recreational stuff is doing filming. So taking pictures oh, yeah. and I also doing movies. So yeah. I, I saw, um, you know, a thing on one of the Red Bull sports channels and they were following mm -hmm. a, a downhill rider on a downhill, you know, mountain bike rider. And just going through this amazing thing. And they were using a drone to film all of that. It was just oh, really yeah. just amazing. It, it just, it really cracks me up because honestly, Bill, you know, as we're talking about, about the, the film industry and utilizing of drones and, and how steady they are. It always brings me back to, you know, one of my, my dad and I's favorite movie is that thing you do. And there is a scene in that movie where the the camera angle in which they utilize to get the shot it is unbelievable. I mean, every right. time we watch this movie, my father has to rewind it every time, <laughs> and he always goes, "Look at that camera angle." Yeah. And um, you know, I'm laughing because one of these days we're gonna watch a movie, and he's gonna say that, and I'm gonna be like, "You know what, Dad? That's a drone." Right. Right. Well, <laughs> that's and, a drone getting well, that shot right there. Well, and you know, one of our uh, favorite people at ASTM, uh, Hing. He does a oh, lot, yeah. a lot of camera and a lot of filming, and uh, he's actually one of the few people at ASTM who's actually used an exoskeleton to do that work, mm -hmm. and and he he loved it. He, he you know I've talked to him; it really helped him out. You know, yeah. it's a little bit it's a little bit better than just a steady cam for the situation he was in. So that oh, was yeah. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these new applications and these new tools that are coming out are just in. Just incredible, you know. I just uh, just imagining, you know, performance and and productivity, like we were talking about yesterday. Right. You know, the cameramen they went from probably fifteen pounds worth of camera material that were sitting on their shoulder. They had to keep it still. To they were then probably using some sort of boom arm that was being operated with the camera. To now, it's a drone. Right. That, you know, it's it's operating and it's sitting in a in a in a location in which it's balanced. Right. Um, and, and you know, not all it takes, but it takes an operator, right. obviously. But you now don't have those individuals that are coming home at night that are going, oh, my God, my arms are, are killing me. Or right. construction workers, oh, my God, I just walked a 50-acre site over the last three days. Right. 
um, you know, you really have this productivity that starts moving. It's making their jobs easier. And absolutely, drones are a huge part of that. And just think about it also from, so on very large construction projects, you have a much bigger presence as far as a safety program. One of the things about safety program is having enough eyes and ears to kind of oversee a site. And usually sites that have a big safety program are also very big sites. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I I would be very interested to find out how are the new safety managers and stuff using drones to get better overview of sites. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, God forbid there's an emergency. You have a situation where, you know, you need something small or you need something that's going to be able to get up high and, and report back what's going on in the situation so that when the emergency crew shows up, Um, You know, you can give them a bigger rapport as to what's going on other than I have a guy that's stuck in the northeast quadrant of the construction site. Right. Um, You know, it's and it's funny enough, we bring up we bring up the rescue and the emergencies. I mean, they're they're utilizing drones for search and rescue, as we know. But but to the point that. You know, my son is is so into Legos right now, and we got him a, a police Lego. And right. wouldn't you know that this police Lego comes with a drone yep. that you build out of Legos. Right. And, um, you know, even my son looks at me, and he goes, oh, Mommy, that's a drone. Of and course. And I'm like, really? What is that used for? And he goes, oh, that's search and rescue. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really unbelievable, um, you know, how this technology affects so many different industries in such a positive, a positive light, you know? Right. And, you know, the other interesting thing, so we saw uh, this with urban search and rescue robots and with bomb squad robots and technology similar to that, where it, the, it started out being, hey, I just need a robot to help me do this, right? Right. And then, as things have gone along, I need two different types of robot. I need a robot on the ground, and I need one in the air. I need I need those things to talk to each other, and I need mm-hmm. to be able to tell where each one are. And so now, right. this whole interface and data sharing, and, and how do you do that? And what if you, and, and here's always the challenge, <laughs> What what if the robots are made by two different companies, right? Yeah. Yes. How do they communicate? Right. And <laughs> and, and what if they're what if they both are trying to sh- share the same frequency band, right? Right. And they oh, start yeah. interfering with each other. This is this is why we do standards. This is yeah, this it is, is this is exactly why they we do standards so that these things can happen. And it really is. And you know, that's why, you know, ASTM has a committee specific just to this topic. Right. And, um, you know, covering aspects that that you just brought up, Bill, and, and other, you know, other different areas um, that, that need standardization. You know, it's uh, drones are great. Just any technology. Technology is great when it works, but boy, <laughs> when it doesn't. It can be a pain. <laughs> you can, you can, you know, there there's a saying, and I, I think I'm going to mess it up, but, you know, you can, you can go uh, really fast by yourself, but you can go really far with a team. And so this is kind of how technology is. You can go really fast and advance your your tech as long as you're trying to do it by itself and it doesn't have to interact with anybody else, right? Yeah. But when you need to have it work in an environment, especially a work environment, and and communicate and be nice with other tech and other things around it, you need a team. And that's kind of how standards work. It gives you that team. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like anything, you know, construction industry, you have a team. Environmental industry, you have a team. Laboratory, academia, you know, just same with standards development. Absolutely. You need a team. Um, but, you know, if if you really liked this discussion that Bill and I had today, you're really into unmanned aircraft systems and, and drones. Like I said, ASTM does have a committee on this. It's Committee F38 on Unmanned Aircraft Systems. And, um, yeah, please take part in these discussions because this application is really important in the industry today. So I have one kind of final question here. Yeah, sure. So we've been talking about, you know, I'll say small, small consumer to, to you know, like commercial drones and stuff. What about quadcopters and what about uh, mm. VTOL type vehicles to actually move people, not just to fly around cameras, to become air taxis. Is that under the same committee you're talking about, or is that a whole different uh, kind of uh, technology? Where would that sit? That is a really, really great question, Bill. Um, and <laughs> Surprising question. I know. I, yeah. You are not prepared. So that's a totally techie question. I mean, the, the thing is, though, but, you know, we're going from these small little bit drones you can buy yeah. at a, a box store to, hey, this is this is not a helicopter. This is mm -hmm. a this is an automated sort of quadcopter that someone can sit in or multiple people can sit in and you can it can be like a taxi from one place to another. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, from from what I know from, you know, this committee, they mainly deal with the unmanned or uncrewed yeah. um, for flight proficiency requirements and quality assurance. Um, doesn't look like they have individuals where are actually sitting in these, you know, aircraft systems, but... Uh, as we like to say in ASTM committee stopes, we cover, but we are not limited to. <laughs> That's true. So, <laughs> so if it comes up, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and and like everything with ASTM, you know, anyone is open and welcome to join these committee discussions and end these meetings. And um, yeah, I mean, bring it up. I'm. I know that we do across multiple committees handle different areas of the discussion that we had today but specific to those undemand aircraft systems f-38 is the uh the place to go awesome well thank you so much for chatting with me today it was great seeing you is there any last words no all no, right other than uh, have a great day and looking forward to our next podcast yep Please make sure you share the podcast with your friends, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to us today. Please share this podcast with your friends and join us next time.